This is According to Callus. This is going to be episode 153. And for lack of a better title, we're going to go with Whimsical Wednesday. And why might you ask, am I calling it Whimsical? Well, because I have five more or less not related topics, but directly, directly related to what has been going on. So... <clears throat> As we start, let me just say, this afternoon when I was thinking about what I wanted to say tonight, I was confronted with the idea that when I talk, I use my hands. I use them often. And while uh, I am neither Italian uh, <laughs> or uh, one of what other... Uh, group apparently uses their hands when they're speaking. I was thinking about the fact that one of my, one of my favorite movies, um, uh, is a period movie. It's actually a mini series. It was on, uh, it was on TV and, um, uh, Donald Sutherland's character, um, was a Jewish elder. And when the, uh, Polish police had kind of pushed him into a thing and then he was in the ghetto. And then, of course, the Nazi propaganda uh, filmmaker wants to film him doing certain things. And he talks about, you need to move your hands around, have more flourish, you know. So, so of course, Donald Sutherland's character is just mocking him and doing exactly as he instructs, as he well should have. And while the... uh, topic matter of the movie is not at all lighthearted. To the contrary, it's inspiring in a sad sort of way. The idea that the person, Donald Sutherland's character, basically feigning compliance and the movement of the hands, if you will, while speaking, just couldn't come about at a better time in my mind as I was thinking about the events of last night. So let me tell you what I was talking about. So last night, the uh, McKinney ISD had their school board meeting. And after uh, some time, they had the people that were there to speak on issues that are related to the agenda. And then all the way towards the end, they allow us to speak on issues that are not listed on their agenda. So, you know, the old adage, he who controls the agenda controls the meeting is true. So while this is going on, um, I want to say there was four speakers, but there might have been five. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. And, and these are on non-agenda items. And after we had been there for two hours listening to various reports, and in particular the lady from the Human Resources Department went on and on about how they're retaining uh, their new teachers. Again, this is all useful information, but I'll get to the punchline later. So, so we sat through all this, and we're respectful and acknowledge that you know they're they're giving their reports. And then it came time for those of us who had been there to speak. And you're allowed three minutes, which is generally adequate time to put forth 
your information on topic. And um, they went through the uh, speakers, and as they sp- as they spoke, uh, one of the things that they don't record, or let me rephrase this, they don't allow is they have what I would call a restriction on signs that they don't produce. So it's kind of an arbitrary rule, but nevertheless, it's not that big a deal. Then they've increased the rules to where now you're no longer allowed to respond or clap or show your approval for other speakers. You have to raise your hand if you support them. So it came to my attention that some of the members of the school board uh, were referring to people that were concerned about some of the pornographic material and some of the other, let's call it trash material that is readily available at these school libraries. Uh, They were saying, well, perhaps we shouldn't have this here or perhaps we should make it less readily available or we should make sure that younger kids can't get to it. All reasonable restrictions. Well, those people were basically referred to as fascists, book burners. <laughs> now, to my knowledge, none of these folks actually wanted to burn books of any kind. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even that they wanted to ban the books. They just wanted them to not be readily available to younger kids. It seems like an entirely reasonable request. And we're Living in a world where people who make reasonable requests generally are met with agreeable terms. Well, when you refer to those people as fascists, that kind of sits wrong with me. I kind of find that problematic. I I, I just don't want to go along with that. Because the truth of the matter is, the very same individuals that are referring to the uh, people that want this as being fascist are guilty of many fascist tendencies themselves. In fact, when I was given my three minutes, I delivered an explanation of why they ought to be careful with that terminology, particularly when they are carrying out rules that echo a fascist mindset. I'm going to assume they didn't care for that. Um, And some of the other people that spoke after me were far more aggressive in manner and definitely were wanting to hold their feet to the fire. It was all quite enjoyable. But the most interesting thing was, while we sat through a two-hour meeting and we were given three minutes to speak, they felt the need to start the clock before we even got to the podium to speak. And the excuse was, well, you're wasting time. Wasting time? Really? An extra 45 seconds to walk up to the podium? Yeah, 30 seconds for people to show their appreciation for what somebody else said? That's wasting time? Really? Come now. Methinks doth, doth protesteth too much, I might say. So again, when you're going to call somebody else a fascist, you ought not act like a fascist. And one of the more interesting things that came about 
last night as one of the speakers that followed me pointed out that several years ago, several of us showed up to actually support some of these same school board members because there were other people that wanted to make changes to the way that business was done, wanted to mm, disallow certain, let's call it, religious connotations. Now, all the people that partake in the school board in the meeting are typically adults, and the children that may be present are there with their parents. So it's not as if this would be a situation where we were indoctrinating anybody, but during the school day and the school year, there's plenty of indoctrination that takes place, and that's all permissible and understood, but God forbid you might, I don't know, hear somebody reference the supreme deity by his name, whether it be Yahweh or Jesus, whatever uh, the proper terminology is for your particular sect of Christianity. But it ought to be careful that you don't press that too far. Otherwise, we'll have to recognize other forms of faith, and again, that would make a lot of other people uncomfortable. But be that as it may, these are all adults, and they want to do their thing. And most of us showed up to support them at that point. And these very same people are the ones that are now pressing the progressive ideology, the trashing of childhood, if you will. And if you say that's a bit harsh, well, fine. I mean, if you could find a better term that's more appropriate, by all means, please let me know. So that is what transpired. It was, and the best part is the ISD actually records this and puts it up. So I would encourage you take, take a few minutes and fast forward to the end when the other uh, speakers follow for their three minutes. And, uh, and you yourself can determine whether or not any of these people fall under the heading of domestic terrorists. So let's talk about consequences. This would be the second thing. Consequences, right? So when you speak up, when you oppose, let's call it uh, bad programs or overreach, you're the problem. You become the nail that is sticking up. The Asian proverb about the nail that sticks up is the one that gets hammered down may very well be true. And one of the fringe benefits of having grown children is, is I no longer have to worry about that particular problem. And there were other parents that were there that clearly have children that are of the age that would be in the school district. And they were not enthusiastic about identifying themselves, some of them, uh, others apparently have no fear and I congratulate them, but there has to be a consequence. When, when you have bad behavior and you put bad policies out, at some point there has to be a cost. I mean, they put the cost upon us for daring to speak out perhaps, but not me personally, but other parents fear for this. What's the cost? At one point, we were an A-rated district. We're not anymore. Yet, the superintendent still has a job. All the principals kept their jobs. Indeed, the school board is largely the same. Now, you might note that we have three new members that came on after this last election cycle because two people um, 
well, I am sorry, one person retired and the other two were replaced by challengers. Or maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe it was two, was re- two retired and one was replaced by a challenger. Nevertheless, two of the three actually questioned some things going on. And they don't like that. No, you're just supposed to go along to get along. How dare you question what's going on? Well, you know, I get that. I do. You want a certain unanimity. You want to be on the same page, if you will. But if you're doing things that just don't seem right, that is deserving of questioning. That is deserving of an investigation. Likewise, people that have served on this board for, I don't know, a decade or more, and we now have less than excellence representing us, why do those people still serve on that board? Indeed, one of the other parents brought up that very question in a very, I would say, entertaining way, and I would encourage you, go read it. They must have a transcript. If not, watch the video. Uh I got to say, I I enjoyed it almost to a scandalous level to see somebody call them out. You've been there forever and things aren't getting better. Why are you still here? What is your motivation? Why do you prevent anybody else from serving? Indeed, much of what has gone on seems to be carefully crafted to portray exactly what they want us to see. And why we tolerate this, I don't know. The consequences must be they have to go. So I propose. Let's go, Odell. That's going to be my mantra. And yes, you can read into that whatever you want. But if you should happen to see that come up in more than one place, I may or may not have anything to do with it. But if you're going to blame somebody, why not blame the president? Why not blame the person who gets to take all the credit when things go well? You should also blame them when they don't go well. Just a thought. Okay, uh, we're going to transition here to the third item, the greater cause. So what is the greater cause? Well, We spend a lot of time fretting about what goes on at the national level and I guess to a lesser extent even the state level. But the the direct influence, the thing that can most often be felt in our lives are local governments. That would be your city, your school district, and in some instances your county board depending on whether or not you live in the city limits, I guess. So, and I'm a strong proponent of the idea that we have a pretty darn good county government, Eh, city government. Well, I live in McKinney. I'll just say it's less than stellar and leave it at that for right now. And, And I'm well aware that depending on what I say and how I say it, it could be perceived any number of ways But I think we're going to get a really good candidate that came really close to being on it the last go round for the election cycle. 
I'm confident we can get that guy across the uh, finish line, if you will, metaphorically speaking, and get him on the city council. And I would love to see what happens when somebody dares to ask questions, when somebody dares to counter the narrative. And I don't know, just have a thought that's outside of the box. Or as Tom Wood says, violates the three by five card of conventional thinking. Yes. That's what I'm looking forward to. The greater cause is we need to be more directly involved in our local communities and government. Whether it's the HOA you might have to live in because you uh, unfortunately have to live in a neighborhood that didn't have enough government, so added another layer, or whether you just have to deal with the city government or a particular school district that you live in. And I mean... I guess the city of McKinney only has seven school districts in it. But the greater cause is our children and the next generation. So that's actually going to be a direct transition to number four. Item number four, the next generation. Unfortunately, it is more related than I anticipated. But the next generation is our, in my case, would be my children. But at some point, you have to even look at your grandchildren. So I've now reached middle age and I know there are plenty of people older than I am that have grandchildren. The question is, is what are you doing for your grandchildren? Now, and I'm going to be very careful here how I'm going to say this, but quite honestly, a lot of the boomers are still worried about themselves. I'm not sure why the selfishness continues When you're 70 years old, you have grandchildren. Now, some of them spoil their grandchildren to excess, but a lot of them, they're more concerned about themselves than their children or their grandchildren. And I'm just curious if the previous generations would have had that same attitude if we would be in the shape that we were in because the the generation that was preceding mine, which would be the boomers, didn't really seem to give a rat's behind again about most of us in Gen X or Gen Z, Gen Y, whatever the direct uh, tale of Gen X is. The demographics and the demographers, if you will, if I think that's the proper term, kind of change that up all the time. So I, I wonder if that's why a lot of the millennials are the way they are. I wonder if it's why Gen Z is basically written off a lot of those grandparents. Well, the next generation is where everything's at. You know, our progressive friends, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they control the school systems. They're always programming the next generation. They're always influenced what the next generation is going to do. And what are we doing about it? How are we fighting back? Now, conservatives typically are only wanting to make sure that they get their money's worth. They want to make sure that the the kids actually receive the good education from the government school district that they are paying for without paying attention to the consequences of all the other extra programming that goes in there. And indeed, they hide a lot of it or they rename it or they schmooze it under or bury it. So you don't actually see what it is. And then, of course, 
those that subscribe to Christianity, they have to question how good is it that your children or your grandchildren are being taught that there is another God in their lives, that the idolatry in the form of government is taught to them from a very early age. And yet, apparently, we seem to be okay with it. Apparently, we don't want to make that investment in the next generation. Now, I got to say, not everybody can make the same sacrifice. Not everybody can make those same adjustments to their life, their lifestyle, their family dynamic to where they can, I don't know, homeschool or private school their kids and raise them up in a specific way. And then even then, there's no guarantee what's going to happen, particularly when those same children become young adults and go off to the university and get their heads twisted off. But again, we're teaching something different by what we do from what we say. And and as a father, I'm guilty of that. I've done that to some degree. And uh, I'm sure my daughters could tell some interesting stories about (laughs) catching dad in a conflict or catching dad in a hypocritical moment. And that's the challenge, right? Well, we strike the nerve of hypocrisy, but we're all ultimately guilty of it because sometimes it's just too much to actually live by that which we profess. What is the cost? I mean, in a perfect world, I wouldn't be living in the city. I'd be living out on that uh, rural fringe somewhere. I'd have my little homestead. I'd be raising most of my own food and I'd be doing political stuff on the side and I'd have a little couple side gigs where I'm making the money and to take care of the things that my homestead can't. And, you know, my wife might still be nursing, doing something like that, but I wouldn't, I think I would have raised my kids differently. And I certainly would want my grandchildren at my house when the time comes. Of course, I don't have grandchildren yet, but I will want them at the house and I would be thrilled to death to educate them, to bring them up, to help them understand how the world works, to help them understand, mm, I don't know, reading, writing, and arithmetic for starters, to teach them the real history that they're not going to get, to, to show them all that America was, is, and could be, and not be afraid to show them the warts and all. No matter how great you think America is, we've had our faults, we've had our problems, and to some degree we've moved past them, but we should be ashamed of the things that are shameful, but we shouldn't pretend they never happened, and we should be honest about it. And that, That's one of the challenges that you have. I mean, you, you've got whole slews of people that want to rewrite history under the 1619 Project, or they want to... Mm, Put the lens of color or race on everything and anything that happened. But while that was a factor, that was not the only driving force. In fact, there were many more that were far more important to the majority of the people that were involved in these events as they were unfolding. But we have to be honest and we have to be open. 
We have to be willing to hear what everybody has to say, and we don't really do that. But as we raise our next generation, as we reach a point where we're actually raising our secondary generation, we have to be honest. We have to bring them up to have an understanding. If we're not doing that, we're doing them a disservice long term. We're not preparing them for the world as it is. We can dislike the world as it is. We can reject the world as it is, but it is still there and it's not going anywhere. And quite frankly, if we don't prepare ourselves, we're going to lose. And we're going to lose dramatically. So I'm going to transition to the next uh, issue here. But before I do, let me just say that there are torches of light that have sprung up in various areas of this country. And one of them that I'm familiar with is what's going on in Moscow, Idaho. And I'm going to spend some more time investigating it. I'm going to spend some more time looking at the dynamics there. I want to investigate whether or not that might not be duplicated somewhere here in Texas. I'm very curious as to how these things came about and what kind of investment was made in order to get that ball rolling. And I'm really curious if there would be others that would want to join in there. A similar program, for lack of a better term. And, again, slightly related, but not entirely. Item number five, build back better. You know, that's that's been the mantra now for over a year, coming from certain segments of our government. My question is, is why are we having to build it back in the first place? And what exactly are we building back? We had an economy that largely worked. Was it perfect? No. Did it have hiccups or issues? Yes, by design and by operation. That's how an economy works. But what exactly are they building back? Are, are we going to pretend that by making things quote-unquote sustainable that they're somehow better? Are we going to pretend by eliminating the production of domestic uh, meat production is somehow going to make things better? I think not. Are we going to continue to live on the trope that if we can just have renewable energy resources built out that we're going to somehow be in a better position? Again, I don't believe that. Which is not to say that there isn't a time and a place for some of that and they're useful technologies that we need to continue to explore and understand. But the simple fact of the matter is, is we have plenty of pre-existing resources that if we use wisely, which typically is done by the market because market's market, right? We should be in pretty good shape for the foreseeable future. But apparently that's not enough. They want to manipulate things more and more. They want to make it more difficult for you to get the vehicle that you want to be able to drive when and where and how you want. They want to make it more difficult for you to be able to get good food to feed your families. They make plenty of cheap crap. They make plenty of stuff that, quite frankly, is just not good for us. But we eat it because most of us don't know any better. Myself included. I mean, I've eaten plenty of things over the years. In fact, I, I had uh, a hamburger earlier in the week that 
probably ought not have had, but boy, it tastes good. But are we really doing ourselves a good service when we continue to go about doing these things, knowing full well there are other things that could be done? There is a better way to do some of these things. But are they really going to build it back? And what are they going to build back? And will it indeed be better? And I'm going to say they have very little interest in building back what was already there. They want more control. They want to limit your access to resources. And when I say they, I mean, that's a nice wide open terminology there, isn't it? But if you're listening to this conversation, I'm going to assume that you're not part of the they. I'm going to assume that if you are not sure who that is, that you either don't want to know or you're just never going to figure it out. I don't have any deep animosity or hatred for those folks because they've always existed. They've always been there. And, and different groups of people have come to power over time and memorial and very little changes. They all end up doing the same kinds of things and they manipulate us to do what they want us to do so that they can have more power and more control. And the only time that we've really successfully pushed back happened as a result of the actions of some people in 1776. Now, I'm sure if we look through the entire history of Europe, we might find one or two uh, more instances of this, particularly, oh, I don't know, um, the Protestant Reformation, yes. Um, That would be a good example, but that was incomplete. It created the events of 1776, I might add. But you know the Who have a song, and the refrain is, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And then they refrain back, won't get fooled again. And yet we do every time. So I would caution you when you hear our leaders, those that claim to be our leaders, say things like build back better. You should be very cautious. You have to question what is it they're building back? Why are they building it back? And just what exactly is going to be different and what's better about it? I'm going to suggest to you that while the United States and the rest of the world, for that matter, did not have a perfect situation in the run-up of 2019, things were not all that bad. But clearly, we see where we're at now, and they're not better. They don't look to be getting any better anytime soon. And just because we can change a number by the snap of, a finger or the wave of a hand doesn't mean that it's real. We need to stick with what's real. The metaverse, if you will, is not real. I know there's a whole generation of young people, which I guess directly ties back to both the greater cause and the next generation that seem to think that they might be happier in that metaverse, that they, they might find happiness or a more peaceful existence there 
But boy, I'm certain there were a number of books that were written on that very thing, even though it may be spelled out differently, warning that that does not end well. So as we uh, wrap this up, and uh, I want to return to my whimsical uh, idea here, because I've tried to be lighthearted about this. I've tried to be more sunny side up, if you will. I will tell you, I enjoyed the events of the Tuesday meeting. I expect that the consequences that will follow, uh, (laughs) including my refrain, will be fun. I am well aware of the greater cause. And I think that if you spend the time putting it into it, you will find enjoyment out of that. And, and the next generation is right there. They're already there. We have to engage. We have to be willing to meet them where they're at. <laughs> and really, if you just focus on your own family first and your community second, you won't need to be concerned about what they're building and how it impacts you because you'll already be prepared. Now, I know there are plenty of other shows out there that spend a lot of time talking about political theory or mm, even being prepared for those events. And I'm not going to pretend to be on the same level of those folks. They're very easy to find. And I would perhaps recommend investing some time when you're not listening to me, of course, listening to those podcasts and those and those folks that have invested lots of time and effort, energy and education into getting up to speed on these various topics and they put it all out there for free because they want you to be in a better place. They're investing in you just like we should be investing in our next generation. And... As I come to the end of the show, let me just say that um, it's been brought to my attention that apparently the phrase, see you on the other side, has some implications to it that mm, some find problematic and maybe indicate certain things about me that, well, aren't certainly not true, uh, but that wouldn't be the first time that people make stuff up about me, so that's all right. Until I hear otherwise, or until somebody proves otherwise, I will see you on the other side. This was According to Callus. This was episode 153, and I'll be back on Friday.